Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contractor pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Westwood One presents The Polsters. The Polsters. And now... Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So this week, well, I was going to be in California with all of our peeps, our fellow political consultants in is Huntington it, Beach. Is it the pollies yes. or the pollies? It's the pollies. So I've been pronouncing it wrong for a decade well fun fact there's only one award that goes to a pollster so it would be odd if it was pronounced police oh, so we're we're like the the like visual art like the the set de- designers at the oscars yes, like except here like the, the people who do the visual stuff get all the awards and the pollsters there's I think just I one was like a guest award. judge for like a direct mail category Years ago. Yes. But I don't think I was super qualified to be. But it was very cool seeing all of this direct mail. And like half of it was, you know, Democratic direct mail. But like you don't take that into – you're just like, all right, is this going to move voters? Is this well done? Yes. It used to be that you had to judge those things in groups in person and then they moved to They like mailed me a packet. Oh, no. For mine, I think they mailed me a packet of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But this was a long time ago. Right. So they've changed all these things. Anyway, so to all of our peeps out there, my husband was at the Reeds, which is another award thing a couple weeks ago. Is that like the Golden Globes? So the, the Polly's or the Oscars? I th- or would we I dispute so. that and flip it the other way? I don't way? know. I don't know. But, you know, it's a robust enough industry that there are now two <laughs> different awards. And But someone went up to my husband. I, At I, A-Port, it's the Tonys. Yes. It's like <laughs> the classy. That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And someone went up to my husband and said, um, there's something that your wife says on her show that I say all the time on conference calls. And so I don't know who you are. I'm assuming you're a dude. I don't know for sure, but I'm making that assumption because I feel like my husband would have said this woman came up to me and said that she says something that you say all the time on the show on conference calls. Whoever you are, email us so we know what wonderful thing it was and hopefully you cite the pollsters. It would still make you seem cool and smart if you cited the pollsters as opposed to passing it off as your own thoughts. Anyway, out yourself, whoever you are, when you're back from the pollies, I'm assuming you're there as well. I do find that things that I hear on podcasts can like seep into my seep into my own vocabulary. So a show, I need to give a shout out. You said that, what this is, tri, Tripod, Tripod Month? Week. Yeah, Tripod, Tripod Week. Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm a huge fan of the Weekly Standards Substandard podcast. In fact, I feel a little creepy about this because the thing, some things they say on that show, they say all the time and it's like gotten into my brain. Like I don't think that I had heard the word oeuvre, like right. you know, describe someone's body of work. Like I hadn't heard right, that right. word in ever. Right. I, I mean, I know what it means. Like, I, I took vocabulary tests in high school and stuff, but I, it's not a word that. But like, they use it almost every week. I have now found myself using it, or That's like my good. brain almost uses it, and then it stops because I'm like, wait a minute, hang on. That's that maybe it's like a there's a seventy five cent word. You, I don't yeah, know. I don't know if you need to give them a footnote for that. I well, heard... no, but so what? So this is actually worse and perhaps creepier. I made like I like jo- I was doodling in a notebook or like on a notepad, and I doodled out like a bingo card for like the twenty five things that you always hear on their show, <laughs> and tweeted it this more. And Bill Crystal retweeted me, so now that's it's like a sort of creepy level fandom. But I'm wondering what would a pollsters bingo card look like? I don't know. You guys are going to have to tweet us. I know you're going to have ideas. We know what would be on our bingo card. We know that there will be ideas. So while you were missing, while you were enduring the snow and not going to California, I was kind of hunkered down at my house. And 
this morning I got to experience for the first time ever a totally Florida girl problem, which is that I moved to D.C. over a decade ago. First time I moved out of the state of Florida, did not bring a car with me, did not own a car until like three years ago. And even then I lived in like a little condo where we had a garage like, you know, down eight levels under the ground. So I I have never really had to like pry ice off a car. And I went out this morning and my car was coated in no joke, an inch and a half yeah. of solid ice. Yeah. It's hard. Not, not it's just hard like the there. windshield. Yeah. Like the whole car yeah. was encased. Yeah. It was tough. And so luckily I had offered to give my husband a ride to work. So he's from Boston. So he knew what to, knew what to do. I just kind of got to sit in the car and like turn on the heater. But I'm trying to imagine, like, could I have actually gotten myself out of the drive? Like, could I have pried all of that ice off myself? No, you have to do it as it's coming down. Lesson learned. Yeah. Lesson now learned. And yeah. then I was super judgy on my drive to work today because there were people that had, like, sheets of ice on the roof of their car. Well, they're just not driving and stopping fast enough if that's the case because that well, should I don't just want come it to around s- right out. I don't want it to stop and fly back through my windshield. It was freaking me out. That and should I was all be feeling, taken care of by the time you leave your neighborhood. I was feeling very judgy about it. But so, yeah, that was I, – I did not miss a trip to California, but I did almost miss a trip to my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was tough. It was slowed down this week, but we're still here. So even though <laughs> I did not interview Mark Melman as planned, he gets a reprieve. I'm, I'll be back to try to interview him And I, we're going to be interviewing uh, Matt Mahan from Brigade. Yes. So we have, we've got, like, lots of fun coming up. Yes, yes, yes. But we're here with our regular – they're still polling out there. we got lots of polling. <laughs> Never fear, and we ha- we're gonna just you know go right up to the line of professionalism just one bit more with our song here to tease <laughs> what's coming up at the end of the show. It's actually perfect that we're just giggling through this. That's even right. <laughs> That's right. No, this is a clean song. My room is still messed up, despite being snowed in. This is a very gentle, totally legal song. Oh, yes. But changing public opinion toward the song. So this is uh, the top lines for this week. Do voters think that Trump is meeting the great expectations he set for himself upon taking office? Are voters in no regrets mode? Or do some people have buyer's remorse? We will talk about how voters have changed their own attitudes about Trump since he took office. Then the ACHA or the AHA or whatever we're calling it, Trump Care, Ryan Care, whatever name you choose. That's part of the problem. I wrote my column about it this week. We'll talk about that. How is the health care bill doing? Then we'll talk about some polling on global warming, LGBT rights, and the Dutch elections. Did pollsters finally get one right? Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> Plus, there were two amazing data viz fails one about pot and another about pizza. Yes. How appropriate. Excellent. So first is one of my favorite times of the year, which is when the Edison folks at Edison uh, have their infinite dial poll come out. So it's a poll about the infinite dial just means all the different ranges. You know, it's not just an FM, AM radio anymore. There are all these different ways to engage with music and content. And so that's what the infinite dial refers to. So a poll that has a lot about podcasting is very much a pollster's beat. And that if the pollsters had one beat, basically, the polling about podcasting would be it. So um, there are podcasts about podcasts. That's right. We have been on some of them. There are podcasts about podcasts and there are podcasts that talk about polling about podcasts. And so that's what this is. Uh, Just for a brief moment, this is our poll of the week. Um, And we'll link to it in the show notes. There's a lot in there. And it's probably not a surprise that there's an increase every time they do this poll. There's a steady tick up of the number of people who listen to podcasts. And they describe – they define people as 12 and higher, so 12 and older. So that includes – you know, teenagers, but so I mean, technically that is people. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's just not adults. But I mean, it is important, I guess, if you're trying to figure out where music and audio usage is going next, you might as well include teenagers as opposed to, you know, some of the older folks. So that's part of what you see uh, in terms of some and of the movement. monthly podcast listening really jumped for men in 2006, 2007. I wonder what caused that jump. I don't know. Because for women, the jump hasn't been as pronounced. Uh, but for men, it's gone up to 27% say that they listen to a podcast within the last month. Yeah. So there's still this gender gap in 
podcast listenership is not massive, but it's no, there. No. It's there. So it's just something, you know, something to think about. And I don't know if that's because of the content or because of having or having the device or figuring out a new way to use your device. You know, it's unclear. Or just the kind of time you have if you don't have as much time to commute or – you know, go to the office or something. Does that change how you engage with this content? But for the most part, people are listening to podcasts at home as opposed to elsewhere. And for the most part, this was good. People listen to either most or all of their podcasts of an individual episode, not of the ones that they have on their phone, which was another question they have. Um, Just a few people say that they don't really listen to actually the whole thing. So that's good. We hope you listen to the end because that's where the fun stuff is. That's why we put it there at the end so you stay engaged. But anyway, that's the – You've got to get through your Trump job approval vegetables. That's right. Before you get to the marijuana dessert. pizza bowls. (laughs) Exactly. So anyway, that's the poll of the week from the fine folks at Edison. who have a full deck for your enjoyment um, on their website. So moving on to the vegetables. It's not, uh, it's not vegetables. This, this is, is what real, people want, actually. This is what people – yeah. This is, Broccoli you know, is actually pretty tasty. Yes. Depending on how you prepare it. Uh, so Trump job approval is flat. Disapprove 50.5% according to the Fempire at HuffPost pollster. 44% approve. Not great, but about where it's been. Uh, so now the more interesting question we want to talk about is how has Trump measured up to the expectations that people had for him upon taking office? Because we are now past 50 days. We're halfway through the magical 100 days, which where does the Ugh. magical 100 days thing come from? Like how long has that been this weird, arbitrary, like FDR maybe magic period in which stuff gets done? I don't know. I think since FDR, I don't know. But well, we're halfway through this ma- whatever magical yeah po- politics buff wears off at day 101 yeah we're halfway through well how's it going margie you I, did some po- polling on so this so we did something and there also there were a couple other things on a similar point so I, lots of people i guess are trying to f- get at this question of expectations and how he's doing we asked this was remember folks uh, i talked about this a month ago we looked at people who have moved away from trump in some way they became less enthusiastic toward him or they decided they wouldn't vote for him now at all or they become more enthusiastic Clinton voters than maybe they were before. Um, We looked at that group. But we also looked at overall about a dozen different dimensions. Do you feel that Trump is doing this more than you expected, about how you expected or less than you expected? And he slipped on a lot of these measures. And we had them – we had the measures phrased in a way to kind of mirror his language. So it wasn't like real specific stuff. It was making America great again, draining the swamp, uh, surrounding himself with the best people. Uh, getting things done, keeping promises and so on. Uh, but then some things that language that other people might use, like getting sidetracked by things that aren't important, which is the kind of thing you'd hear in a focus group. And a lot – what was interesting here was that a lot of the slippage came from his base. Now, his base, of course, is going to think he's doing a better job than his, the people not in his base. They are more likely to say he is doing better than expected on a variety of measures. But there's been a drop. Um, so his base, Trump voters, uh, in February, 60 percent said he's getting things done more than they expected. Um, now only 50 percent said that. Uh, keeping pro- his promises or surrounding himself with the best people. He's had a similar job of about 10 points among his base. And why that matters is his base has been very enthusiastic for him. We've talked about that for a lot of weeks. Everybody else, not so much. And so if his base starts to move, then what happens? Yeah. And we'll talk about that when we get to this healthcare stuff. Right. Because that is a crazy X factor that is hanging out there. Right. And so, you know, Gallup has some tracking of expectations and how to good or or bad job do you think Trump is going to do on a variety of things? And they ask the same questions for Obama and Bush at the same point. And, um, you know, he seems to be doing lower, not as well, compared to Obama and Bush at the same point. And and I think part of that is really because of the wide partisan divide. You had some cross-party begrudging optimism on some measures, whether it's Democrats feeling that way about George W. Bush or Republicans feeling that way about Obama. You just don't have that. I mean, again, this is such a clear pattern that Democrats and in particular have such low ratings for Trump. It just drags his overall ratings down, even if his his ratings among his base are actually quite strong. If you look at the Gallup numbers, uh, Republicans feel about as optimistic 
about Trump, about making America uh, prosperous as they did about George W. Bush. Um, they feel about as prosperous as they did about Bush uh, for improving the nation's energy policies. So um, they feel about as uh, optimistic about Trump as Democrats did about Obama. So it's really about that cross-party support that drags his overall numbers down. That's why watching where Trump is with his base is particularly important. But it doesn't mean that you have a lot of people in his base saying, like, you know, I would totally do something different. I mean, we didn't have that many people in our poll who said they'd vote for somebody totally different. We, you know, had to look at it kind of broadly to really get a sense of what was driving yeah, very, those folks. Very few on these different metrics actually think that Trump is doing less on keeping his promises or less on right. surrounding himself with the best people or less on getting things done than they expected. For you, The switch off has been that you had – sizable majorities saying that he was doing better than they expected. He was exceeding right. their expectations. But that's with his base. Yes. With, with his base. With yes. his base. Right. And that that base is now sort of settled more into, ah, he's doing about what I thought he would do. Right. Which is not a bad place to be, but it's not the exuberance. Yes. Right. Right after the inauguration. Exactly. And it is consistent with what Stan Greenberg found in some focus groups, and this was covered in the post- 202 uh, newsletter, which I really like. And so I didn't realize that Stan Greenberg coined the phrase Reagan Democrats. Did you know that? Oh, I know. No, I, I did not know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So anyway, that's good to learn something new like that. Um, anyway, so they did some focus groups of voters who voted for Obama and then Trump. And these folks did not say and this is qualitative, but they didn't say Oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, America. I didn't really mean to vote for him. Um, that, you know, this is, uh, this has all gone horribly wrong. I mean, they, they wanted to see how Trump was doing, particularly on health care, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And they also saw Trump, importantly, as very different from Republicans. So that is part of the challenge that Republican members have and how, Trump and Republicans all negotiate their relationship with each other headed into the midterms, which we're not going to talk about that much today, but it is a, obviously um, you know major issue. Um, so that's you know that's something that came up a lot in the focus groups and also healthcare in particular. I think it does not surprise me that there was not really any sort of buyer's remorse around the folks that voted for him because at this point. Donald Trump is not doing stuff that he didn't say he'd do. Right. Um, if you that that may be a good or a bad thing, depending on if you like. It shouldn't Trump or be not. a surprise. But none of this should be a surprise. Um, and what I think was really interesting is many of these voters could get behind Trump partly because they saw him as so distinct from the GOP. Yeah. Which I think brings us to our next topic. Well, will play a big role in our next topic, which is Obamacare. Um, and Greenberg, you know, repairing health care is what they expect him to do. Um, they'll think it's Republicans in Congress fault more than Trump, which is why my column in The Examiner this week basically says, dear congressional Republicans, the smartest thing you can do right now is make this bill Trump care. Call it Trump care all the time. It's Trump care. We talk to the president every day. It's the president's secretary of HHS out there defending it. It's the president's director of OMB out there defending it. This is Trump's bill. Just keep saying that over and over and over again. Now, why should they do that? Uh, I think they should do that in part because, well, right now the, uh, they've got two sets of Republicans that are thinking about not voting for this bill. You've got folks like Ileana Rose-Leighton from South Florida. You've got you know other folks who are in districts that Clinton won where they're like, this is not going to fly. Right. This bill, the CBO score, I just, I can't go there. I can't go there with my voters. But traditional, or I say traditionally, over the last couple of years, the biggest thorn in the side of House leadership has been the Freedom Caucus. These are the guys that shut down the government, right? These are the ones that were like, we will not fund the government unless you defund Obamacare. We will not raise the debt ceiling unless you defund Obamacare. That's been their shtick. Right. And they've got outside groups like Heritage Action, Freedom Works that have really put a lot of muscle behind like pushing this leadership sucks and we're going to fight for conservative principles against the establishment. So if Trump is coming in and he is on the side of Paul Ryan, it is a heck of a lot harder if you are a Freedom Caucus guy to go back to your district and be like, yes, I oppose this thing that Trump supports. So as long as Trump hangs on, they're in a really stickier spot. 
especially if like the, any of the Trump outside groups start putting money behind like this is the president's bill, all of which will be determined in the end by does Trump actually stick with it? His right. administration is all in. Pence is all in. But Cabinet's he's not all in. in. He talks like he's all in, but then he kind of like says, well, we're going to it's a phase one. It's a negotiation. We're, we're going to get there. And that's not where most of the rest of his the executive branch is. But that's the big X factor that's hanging out there, because whether this is Trump care or Ryan care, I think will have play a big role in whether they lose folks off the right flank of this bill. Hmm. And they don't have a lot of numbers to lose. If you look at the latest like whip counts that have are being posted based on public comments, like he's got to hang on to as many of those guys on the right as he can. It's easy to beat up on Ryan care. It's harder to beat up on Trump care, regardless of the substance of the bill. So let's talk about where people stand on Obamacare right now. Oh, and there's is... there's conflicting polling out yeah. there. There's polling. So Kaiser Family Foundation has been polling on the Affordable Care Act forever. And they paint a picture of a public that likes Obamacare, does not like changes. On the other hand, you have Morning Consult that sort of finds voters much more split on both the Affordable Care Act and the replacement. Um, in fact, the Morning Consult poll, the results sort of sh- – it's it's – we're, what are we using the Natalie Jackson rule that like people are split down the middle with about 10 percent having no opinion. Um, when you ask voters, do you approve or disapprove of the 2010 Affordable Care Act, sometimes referred to as Obamacare in the morning consult poll? You wind up with 47 percent saying that they approve. You wind up with 48 percent saying they disapprove. Six <laughs> percent don't know no opinion. Um, then when you ask, I think, about the ACHA. Uh, there is a bill and this is how they describe it. They don't describe anything about what's in the bill. They just say that it's called the American Health Care Act. It would repeal and replace the 2010 Affordable Care Act, sometimes referred to as Obamacare. On that one, you have 46 percent saying they approve. You have uh, much less. You have 35 percent saying they disapprove. And then you have this bigger chunk of don't knows because the question doesn't explain anything about it. Right. I mean, and and here's the thing. It is just so challenging to measure views toward it, it's hard enough to measure views toward Obamacare. It's impossible to measure views toward what's happening now because understanding the details of it is just going to be very difficult for the regular voter to get take a sense. 15 minutes to read to you the things that will be changed in this bill. It, it's hard, even if you gave them all of that, it would still be hard to understand. Guaranteed issue will be preserved. <laughs> Community rating will be changed to expand I mean, the age bands on. to allow for a five to one ratio of premiums between the youngest and oldest participants I, in your plan. I, mean, I don't like, know. I'm already confused, <laughs> right? And so it's so. What if you look at this morning consult question? So here's what a lot of different, actually, both these outlets ask, both Kaiser and Morning console asked her, like, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be better or worse or more or less of this? Because you can't really ask at this moment about a lot of the details. Um, we don't know a lot of the details. The bill's still in progress. There's a, It's complicated to begin with. Even if you give all the information, it's still complicated because people ultimately are going to evaluate health care based on their own interaction with their own insurance company, their own doctor and provider. So nonetheless, what I think is going to be a challenge for everybody is when they ask this question, Morning Consult does and Politico, do you think that the, based on what you've heard, do you think it's going to make the healthcare system better or worse or have no impact? And you have like, you know, a fifth to a quarter, depending on which party you are looking at, say, I have no, you know, I have no idea if this is going to make it better or worse. And so you have 56 percent of Republicans who say it's going to be better. You have 58 percent of Democrats who say it's going to be worse. I mean, those aren't really overwhelming numbers on either side. Um, You see fairly similar responses in Kaiser. They don't have a don't know. They have are the number of people with coverage going to increase, decrease, or stay the same? About what protections for people with pre-existing conditions that going to get better, worse, or stay the same? So they don't have a don't know there, but you have a lot who say stay the same, which is not the same as don't know, but comparable. You're going to have people say, I don't know, stay the same, I guess, through those questions. So you have pretty large numbers there say, I guess this is going to be the same as before. 
um, it's just a sign of how tricky this is. And it's going to take so much conversation before voters will have a real clear sense. In the meantime, they're going to view this through the lens of party or their own experience. The people who are saying, hey, Obamacare saved my life or Obamacare hurt my business or whatever their, their personal experience is, that's how they're going to view this debate. And when you look at the morning consult question where they say, do you think the proposed health care bill in Congress will make the health care system better, worse, <clears throat> or will have no impact? 34% say better, 33% say worse, 34% say they don't know. That's a pretty divided country. It's a pretty evenly divided pie chart. <laughs> for that one, you'd have two slices of pizza for each of those, we know, and it would be kind of accurate. We know exactly the people who can do that <laughs> That that chart. We will get to that. Um, so anyway, so that's the polling on Obamacare. I don't want to say it's pointless to look at the polling of Obamacare because that's Obviously not true. But if you were doing this internally, here's the thing to remember. If you were doing this internally for an organization or a healthcare group as opposed to for media consumption, you would look at a lot. You need qualitative. You need to understand the values that people want to protect. You'd want to get the sense of what they know or don't know before you then introduce information. I mean, there'd be a whole lot more than this sort of favor or pose. Okay, we figured out the answer, you know, X percent favor. There's a lot more to understanding this question, these questions, then, then what, what media outlets, not to blame the media outlets, it's just what's available publicly and what their spa- what space they have. But it, it's very, very tricky to, to get, get a real answer on this. Well, we will continue to stay on the ACHAHCA. Aha. Uh-huh. I mean, that's even another issue, right? Beat. They got to give it a name, whatever that is. Well, that is. is the name. Well, they got to give it a more interesting name. Trump care. Yeah. If they were smart. <laughs> Trump care. Trump care. Trump care. Trump care. At least it's memorable. Call it Trump care all the time. Um, so the, the next thing we want to talk about is climate change. And we've talked about climate before in part because I, I wind up working with a lot of groups that are sort of right of center, green-esque folks. Yes. Um, so I'm kind of steeped in <clears throat> this polling and the way conservatives think about this issue and so Gallup has put out um, some updated data on how Americans think about global warming. And there have been increases, even in just the last two years, sizable increases in the percentage of Americans who, one, say most scientists believe global warming is occurring. It's up two years ago. It was 62 percent. Today, it is 71 percent. It's a nine-point jump in two years. It's pretty sizable. Yeah. Um, on the question of do you believe global warming is caused by human activities in 2015, said yes. Today, 68% say yes. So that's a 13-point jump in just two years. That's pretty big. Um, The effects of global warming have already begun. It was 55% two years ago. It's 62% now. Seven-point uptick. So, you know, it's it's outside margin of error. Uh, On the question of do you worry a great deal about global warming? So back two years ago, not many people said yes to this question. Only 32 percent. That has now increased to almost half, 47 percent. Right. So there you're talking about the politics a little bit more. Yeah. Does it worry, you know, the level of concern? Because there are some folks that will say, sure, the climate is changing. Mankind might have a role in it, but let's not focus on it. And so you do see much bigger Does it keep me the, up at night? The urgency right. piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the will it pose a serious threat in your lifetime? And here, this is where we see sort of the least growth um, over time, we have in 2015, 37 percent of people said they thought global warming would pose a serious threat at some point in their lifetime. That has now only increased to 42 percent. But the pattern is really clear. It's not just this poll. It's a trend over the last few different polls that Gallup's taken. Um, they have individual uh, slides where you can see all the, you know, all the different answer categories and, and numbers going back till the 90s where you can really see this is really, you know, this is really happening. The the change, you know, climate change is really it seems to be happening. At least an increase in climate change worry seems to be really happening, um, despite the fact that this has become more political in Washington over the last few decades. The views here, the public opinion, seems to be consolidating in some way. Well, if you look at the the chart over time that Gallup puts out on Americans' views about the causes of global warming, and they go back to 2001. So you actually find that in 2001, you had numbers that looked kind of like they did today. Uh, Like you had 61% of Americans back then saying, 
yes, global warming is caused by the effects of pollution from human activities, only 33 percent saying natural changes in the environment. And around the time Barack Obama gets elected and the Tea Party gets rolling, you see a big shift in those numbers to the point where in 2010, when Gallup does their poll, there's only a four point gap on that question. Yeah. With 50 percent saying it's human activities, 46 percent saying natural changes. And so what we're seeing now is that gap widening back out to mm-hmm. where it was before and a little bit beyond that. The mm-hmm. the effects of, of the debate during the Obama era where that gap was small, that's sort of gone away. So I wonder how much of this is the party in power and people sort of taking views that are opposed to whatever the party in power is. Because it's just odd to me that it, we would go from a society where it was like two to one saying climate's changing and it's man-made. Obama gets elected and that gap shrinks enormously. And then we get to the 2016 election And now suddenly it's like blown back out again. Yeah, but we also had a political dialogue over energy consumption and oil cracking down on oil speculators. That was a big topic in some campaigns around that time. And, you know, I don't know if there was something going on in the political debate besides simply Obama being in office. Maybe, maybe not. You've had the fracking boom. had the fracking boom. Um, I mean, if you look at – here's the other thing that was very, very clear to me. Do Do you think that global warming will pose a serious threat? In, in your lifetime. So while there hasn't been as much change over the last couple of years compared to some of these other measures, it looks like a pretty big difference from the 90s. So like now maybe people feel like they're incre- there is no up and down. It's basically going in one direction. You know, the trend is going in, in one direction. Um, but it, it is interesting how these numbers seem to me a little bit clearer than where the politics seems to be going, especially given what's been going on coming out of the administration today and over the last today is Thursday the 16th and over the last Budget week day. or two um, where there's been so much talk about uh, gutting a variety of climate change related um, plans and and treaties and protections. Um, so all that stuff has really been, you know, a, a top tier item on the ch- a Trump chopping block um, not doesn't seem to jive with where voters are going. So there's another topic that has been sort of big in the news uh, in the last couple of months uh, since Trump took office and that sort of discrimination and racial and religious divides in America. And our buddies over at PRRI, the Public Religion Research Institute, Um, They have put out some research on what Americans think about discrimination in America. So, Margie, what did this poll find? So there's a ton. So folks should go check it out because they have a ton of stuff. They go – they do a deep dive on LGBT rights and uh, transgender rights and bathroom bills and all that. We're going to focus on one big finding and that is differences between – parties and looking at different groups in the views of discrimination of other groups, right? So it asked, do you think there's a lot of discrimination of whites, of Christians, of blacks, gays and lesbians, transgender as a separate category from gays and lesbians, immigrants, Muslims? So a variety of different uh, groups and about a third of Americans said whites and Christians uh, face a lot of discrimination. And then um, between a majority and two thirds for the other groups. Um that pattern, that's sort of like a shelf where you have the step one is whites and Christians and then this other step of kind of a comparable rating more or less for these other groups is very pronounced among Democrats, among Republicans. It almost looks like all these groups, you know, Republicans seem to think that all these groups face comparable amounts of discrimination with a few exceptions that blacks maybe get a little seem to face a little bit less discrimination according to the republicans um, poll responses and that whites and christians get about as much discrimin face as much discrimination as gays and lesbians transgender immigrants muslims and so on so what did you think looking at these results well so this actually doesn't surprise me at all when before we came in here margie said oh we're going i got this poll we're going to talk about that you know it sort of shows that white evangelical christians think that they are the most persecuted and like I, Are you going to be upset that this is a troll poll? And I don't think this is a troll poll because this is not it's not trying to push people into like, do you want to bomb Agrabah? Yes. Like that's a troll poll. Yes. No, I know. I think actually it does not surprise me at all that more white evangelical Protestants view Christians as being more discriminated against than Muslims. And, And part of the reason why I think they would they feel that way is that nowadays, like, let's say. 
you you have like the women's march, right? And the symbol of the women's march is a woman who's wearing a hijab, right? And everybody's saying like that's great, you know, that's wonderful. Now you have women in all of these athletic categories who they they can wear the headscarf or that you know they're like and that's awesome, that's cool. We're embracing diversity. And I think for a lot of those folks, they'd say, well, would you ever have somebody up on that poster wearing a big old cross necklace? Um, or, you know, that, that there are things about the way you would dress or behave that if it's something that, say, an evangelical Christian university were to say, women on our campus can't wear pants, they have to wear dresses, and those dresses have to be past the knee. Like, people would be like, oh, that's so oppressive to women. But if there was a Muslim institution that had similar rules of dress for women, we'd say, well, that's diversity. That's, we need to embrace it. That's their culture. And if that's the way a lot of evangelical Christians feel right now in America, which is, I think, what you are seeing in these numbers, mm-hmm. that they feel like their belief system is considered less than. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that. If, if, and, and for white mainline Protestants, that doesn't come out. It's, right. it's, the, it's There's a huge gap here between – you know, sort of your folks going to the Methodist church on Sunday and someone who goes to an evangelical church and goes to Bible study on Wednesday nights and stuff like that. There's big gaps here um, where for white mainline Protestants, 63 percent think there's lots of discrimination against Muslims. Only 30 percent think there's lots of discrimination against Christians. You find similar numbers with Catholics. You find similar numbers with non-white Protestants um, and the unaffiliated. It is that white evangelical Protestant group that is the big difference. And I can appreciate that folks look at, uh, you know, and I didn't mean to say folks at PRI listening that this poll was a troll Oh, no, poll. no, no. But she just knows, Margie yeah. knows that anytime there's a poll that like shows people on the right holding a socially unacceptable view, right. like, is Kristen going to freak out? And like, right. I know, I'm, hey, the data right. show what the data show. Right, right, right. And, and so, <laughs> uh, yes, right. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, make more of this than, than the data show. And I think you're right to point out that it's white evangelical Protestants more than probably can't totally tell from these cross tabs here other republican groups um and i can appreciate that folks would look at this these the these questions and think of them as like that folks on the right might look at it as like oppression olympics like who has it worse you know who's got mm-hmm. it harder do you have it harder well do you have it? well if they have it harder then you can't possibly have it harder like i i can see how f- some find that conversation grating i can appreciate that um it's still i think interesting to examine this and to think about it in the context of how are we healing what is objectively a really divided Mm -hmm. political climate, particularly among a lot of racial and ethnic and religious lines. The fact here, which, you know, is is not, you know, is not based on religion, but the fact that Republicans view blacks as facing less discrimination than all these other groups to me is troubling, I think, given everything we can see and you know, with our eyes in terms of discrimination, economic discrimination, so on, housing and school discrimination. Um, so that to me is troubling and that doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, what you're talking about. Um, so I, I think it's it, it's important to look at these results and think about how much work we all have to do to try and figure out how we make it so Republicans, Democrats can Sit in yep. rooms together and agree on different kinds of policies and be able to talk to each other and maybe vote for other people's well, stuff it, once in a while and, you know, sit with their family members and all those things that we're not really able to do right one now. One thing that I think a lot of people do agree on now is I, th- I think Gallup had numbers out on this this week maybe that showed that, like, people believe race relations are a problem. There's like – it's oh, at yeah, like record all high. Time. And, and I don't think that's just coming from, like, one group or another. I think that's a, a very widespread belief. Now, people may come to that debate with very different – or come to that conversation with very different ideas about who is at fault for making race relations worse and who needs to do things to change race relations. But there's unity, it seems, on the on agreement that there is a problem with race relations. Yes. Well, Trump in our poll, his worst ratings relative to expectations were on unifying the country. That was where – It's not been a priority. He's got the so worst much. ratings. Even his own base gave him kind of meh. You know, they weren't like, oh, yeah, he's actually – they're like, no, that one is a little bit less than ever. I want to create a poll where meh is an option. Can we ask Kylie if that's legit, like how we can do that at some point? Um, We're going to get a tweet in like an hour and a half. No, you cannot use meh as an answer. That is Um, an unacceptable midpoint. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so now we're moving on to – Dutch elections. More lighter topics. Yes. So I have to say I am – a weirdly huge fan of all things Dutch. I am not Dutch. My husband is not Dutch. We are in no way. They have figured we it out. We are not there. Dutch. No, it's good but times I was over in there. In 
Amsterdam for the holiday that is known as King's Day. It had been known as Queen's Day for decades because they had had like a series of queens. Like there'd be a queen and she'd have one child and it would be a daughter. Is that when the herring comes out? Is that like herring day or is that a different day? I did not encounter any herring there. That's possible. Okay. So the holiday, it's called King's Day and it basically starts off as like a national garage sale. Like everyone in Amsterdam, (laughs) I'm serious, just like has like stuff. Like I almost picked up like some VH, like dubbed in Dutch VHSs of seasons of Friends because I was just so like, (laughs) This is awesome. Um, So, yeah, you just walk around and, like, people are selling, like, jello shots and stuff at their house with, like, you know, or, like, you could buy just beers off, you know, vendors on the street and, like, little kids, like, playing musical instruments in the front yard and you can kick them a couple bucks. And um, and then by the middle of the day, it kind of turns into, like, a football tailgate type vibe where, like, everybody's kind of getting a little rowdier and a little more drunk and there are boats going through all the canals in Amsterdam Full of people like listening to music and popping champagne, like going kind of wild. And then by the time you get later in the night and I took a nap from like mm, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., it like turns into a national rave in the streets. <laughs> like, so I missed most of that. Um but it is a fantastic. Europe can nas- go from day to night just a it's heck a of a lot more easily than we can. National just, holiday. They just go. From and last eight to year, eight. I discovered that the Netherlands embassy here in D.C. You can go to a King's Day party, and they have like Dutch beer and neon orange boas. So, like, I feel so weird crashing another country's national holiday. I'm probably never going to get a security clearance because of it. Like, I'm probably a risk for, like... <laughs> I don't think that's what's going to stop you. <laughs> no, but the next thing that we're going to talk about... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, back, anyways, long digression takes us to the Dutch elections. Yes. Where for uh, the current prime minister is a member of the VVD, uh, which is the sort of center-right party there. Um, but the Netherlands has been one of these countries that's a like ground zero for the rising nationalism, anti-immigrant, anti-Islam kind of rhetoric that we have seen sweeping lots of places in Europe and that people are concerned, what's this going to mean for the elections in Germany? What's this going to mean for France with Marine Le Pen? We've talked about the French elections. Right. So Everyone's the, panicking. But so, but the 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 main guy in Europe who's like the face of a lot of this stuff is, and I'm going to screw up the pronunciation of his name, but it looks like Geert Wilders. Right. And he's the head of a party, the PVV. Um, And they, in like the months heading up to election day, looked like they were poised to win and that he would be... Now, there are a ton of parties. You know, you've got to put together a coalition, but it looks like he would be in the position where he'd get the most... His party would get the most votes and then he would be charged with task with forming a coalition. And in the final weeks before the election, his poll numbers cratered. And this was one of those, okay, well, is this like the shy Geert Wilders? But like, (laughs) you know, like are people, are people going to vote for him, but they're saying they're not, you know, is it, are the polls going to undercount? Is that this top one here that's crashing? Yes. Because all the colors kind of look the same and are black and white. That top Ah, graph that's crashing. That was him. So people thought, well, is he really going to is he going to win or not? And in the end, the polls were almost on the money. He, They had cratered. Um, his party, I think, tied for second place. But that was a huge disappointment compared to where they were two months ago. And so the current prime minister, the center-right guy, is now tasked with building his coalition. Well, take a bow, pollsters. Take a bow, so, judge pollsters. So, yeah, there was, this was a poll where there was not some, like, secret nationalist populist thing that didn't get picked up. Or some sort – right, some sort of surprise or – So Dutch pollsters should have an extra fabulous – I think King's Day is like next month. So you should should celebrate extra big. You could start partying right now. And (laughs) with this next poll, the next two polls will give you some ideas. (laughs) So first, there is this pie chart that – Oh, we love you guys at YouGov. I'm so sorry we got to talk about this. I know. It's it's okay. Everybody everybody has a bum chart once in a while. Look, everybody – you know, there's nobody who doesn't have a – you know, a thing that could use some editing m- once in a while. So first there was a poll. Uh, I mean, not it wasn't a poll. It was a pie chart done by CBS uh, N. And the headline said, Americans who have tried marijuana. CBS News poll. And it's a three-slice pie chart. I'm going to try to describe this. Three slices. One slice says 51% today. One slice says 43% last year. And another slice says 34%, 1997. <laughs> I got Anthony Salvanto, director of all things polling for CBS. 
We need to have a conversation. I mean, <laughs> this is great. It looks nice. It looks clean, you know, but it's just not correct. Well, one, because the slices do not are not the size of the numbers. So 51% would be over half of this pie, but this looks like roughly a third to 40%. That's one. <laughs> Two, these are not all part of 100% because they are three different points in time, not one poll, not one question. If you have never smoked pot, there's no answer on this poll for you. That's right. And it looks like the, it's almost as if the question was, when did you last try marijuana? And you had three questions today, last year, or 1997. <laughs> Even if that was the case, it still adds up to over 100%. But this isn't a joke, right? Was this, this I think, put up as, in yes. all seriousness, like just a yes. bad? Yes. <laughs> yes. And then at the bottom it says source. MOE plus or minus 4%, which is not the source. Like, if the joke was that somebody made this chart while they were high, Maybe. that's a funny joke. Right. If you are a professor listening to this show, and we suspect there are many of you out there, I think this would actually be a great like, extra credit thing to throw at the end of an totally. exam. Find all the things wrong with this chart. Yes. And you get an extra credit point for everyone you find. So <laughs> and then the, the chart, the, the slices are not the right size, the... Answer options do not offer people a complete set. That's right. not the right source. Like Right. And then the bottom <laughs> says, high support for legalizing marijuana. Oh, see, this is totally a joke. This has to be a joke. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and again, I find myself saying, this has to be a joke a lot, and it rarely is. So, so here's another one. If you liked that one, you'll oh, so love this, this one. This is the YouGov one. <laughs> so YouGov did uh, a, sl- a, p- a pie about what? folks in the UK like on their pizza, which seems innocuous enough. And it is the same in that it has, it's a pie, you know, which everybody likes pie charts because they're kind of clean and easy to look at. You can kind of see what's happening. Maybe they're more fun than a bar chart, perhaps. And this has six even slices, but it has how many different answer categories are on here? Like 10, let's say 10, 12 different answer, 10 answer categories in a six slice pie, which is already kind of weird. And then the numbers, again, so it has like 60% peppers, 56% pepperoni, 33% olives, 51% tomato. Oh, this is definitely not an American thing. So sweet corn? Sweet corn is just corn. But I have never in my life seen corn on a pizza. Well. Is this a British thing? I don't know. I mean. It says this is, these are British, this is a British Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Am, is this like a what you would? I don't know which of those things you'd want corn with, honestly. Except maybe is this like a thing that everybody loves, and I've just never heard of it. I've it's never had. I love possible. corn. I've never had it on a pizza. But forty-two percent huh. of Brits like it, and only twenty-six percent love spinach, which is my one of my favorites. But anyway, regardless, were you one of those people that when Chelsea Clinton tweeted that she was having spinach pancakes, were like, "That's so great! What's the recipe?" <laughs> maybe. <laughs> This is you why you are the Democrat and I am the Republican. Know the number of things that I have hid or blended or convinced my children to eat that have See, are green. I saw that it's and I was like, like this const- is why Trump won. Spinach pancakes. I, what's wrong with spinach pancakes? Like why? Everything. Why? Everything. You could still put maple syrup on them. It's just a well, patty. That makes it better. That makes anyway, it better. so um, <laughs> I've made spinach cupcake. I mean, I'm just you know spinach mac and cheese. There's no, there's really no end to the number of things I put spinach in. Like I'm not, I'm not even joking. So, um, but this chart though is not right because each slice has like four different answer categories on it. Nothing is the same size, and it looks like it adds up to like three hundred and fifty percent. So. I think this also needs a rewrite. They did issue a statement because they got enough blowback on Twitter of people being like, this is not how pie charts work. That yeah. they, they issued like a, it's not intended to be a pie chart. It's intended to be a graphic. Like they had some kind of explanation. Right. But. Well, you know, that's always the the fight between form and function, I guess. You know, the designers like, it no, no. It is making me hungry I, looking at it. So speaking of... Uh, celebrating another hol- uh, another country's holiday. It's St. Patrick's Day. Oh yeah, that's tomorrow. right. We all celebrate St. Patrick's Day, even though like I'm not Irish. Yes, that's so. A friend of mine um, was over for I dinner who is Irish. Like you know, she has a lot of Irish relatives, and she 
was complaining that about the way we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. She's like, it's a family holiday, okay? It's not like you don't go to the bar at 9 o'clock in the morning and start drinking green beer. It is a family holiday you spend with loved ones. And we were like, yeah, we're not going to get that mad about it. Like, like, you know? I, I can confirm that at King's Day, you do celebrate by beginning drinking at 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, I, don't, I mean, no, that's, I mean, thank you for the information. It's not, I'm not totally outraged about it yet. But anyway, good news. The economy is roaring back as evidenced by the latest NRF poll. Thank goodness they have calibrated this for us. Record spending predicted for this St. Patrick's Day. Five billion dollars in St. Patrick's Day spending. Isn't that like that? Just seems that sounds like, like the economy's great again, Margie. It's a massive amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just March. You know, it's just a trailing indicator. And the number one way people are going to celebrate it is by wearing green, followed by making a special dinner. Well, then maybe it is. Yeah, cor- I think a family and then is like then a bar. Go to a bar. All about the corn and beef. Then yes. Then the next one is attend a party at a bar or restaurant. That is number third. I feel like I saw a lot of people wearing green today. Was this also like another one of those collective memory issues where like half the population for some reason thought today was St. Patrick's Day? I saw a bunch of people on social media like no. wearing green today. I'm today like, is always my husband's birthday. It's not St. Patrick's oh, Day. Oh well, happy birthday, to yes. Jules. So it is not. I don't need to wear green to celebrate that. Um, it's just all I can do to, like, wrap the present properly. That's, like, one of my failings as a wife is I'm bad at wrapping presents and, like, okay. getting a card and signing it and closing it. Like, I just, you know. It's okay. It's just not my thing. It's not my area, but I do it once a year for my husband. That's good of you. That's good of you. <laughs> That's right. We're, like, really locked down those details. <laughs> but thank goodness I don't have to also wear green because then it would really fall apart. So, anyway, our key findings. close. The podcast gender gap and share the show with your bestie or your work wife or your regular real wife, your home <laughs> wife. <laughs> and as a candidate, Trump beat the expectations game. But as president, not so sure yet. As the weather dropped this week, it's a reminder that worries about climate change are on the rise. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about the 2020 Iowa caucus polling, but there is that 2020 Iowa caucus oh, no. polling. We cut the Martin O'Malley we poll. We cut it. It is enough. That's, which is just perfect. That's enough we to drive a even... person to drink, smoke, or make <laughs> wacky pie charts. <laughs> That's how we feel about 2020 polling. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Margie O'Mara or at K. Soltis Anderson, or we are at The Pollsters. Tweet at us your thoughts about this week's show, things you would want to add to a The Pollsters bingo card. And if you do decide to use that pie chart about pot as an extra credit thing in your class. Oh my gosh, please let us we know. We want to know. Plus sure. you'd be rewarding your students who listen to the pollsters indirectly because theoretically they will be prepared for that question. Totally. You can also find us at www.thepolsters.com with all of our great polling resources and on Facebook where we post links throughout the week to stories we find interesting. Subscribe to us. Make sure you leave reviews. If you have not, reviews help us so much when it comes to getting boosts on these different apps and rankings and things. So write a review if you have not yet. We would love to hear from you especially if you like the show bye thanks a westwood one podcast production